0: Hey, good morning. Welcome back. Good to have you guys all here with us this morning. Find your seat. So glad to have you all spread out in our 1030 service this morning. Lots of uh, uh, social distance, distancing being able to have in a 1030 service, but We're glad you're here, nonetheless, and uh, we're just thankful for, uh, yeah, to be able to come and worship, amen? It's really, really good to be uh, able to come and worship in God's house. If you have a Bible, go to Revelation chapter number two. We'll have the scripture up on the screen here in just a little bit for you to follow along with us. But uh, uh, in high school, I had somebody say this to me. They said, I'm no longer going to church. I'm quitting. It's just too hard swimming against the culture and the current of the culture, I'm tired of trying, I'm done. Uh, And those are the words of a friend of mine in high school. He was a few years older than myself, and uh, he really stood for a long time as an example of faithfulness to not only myself, but also uh, lots of my friends in high school as well. We played basketball together, and it was kind of like this shock to the system to hear uh, my friend say these words to me. I'm giving up, I'm quitting, I'm no longer going to church. And that was really a hard thing for me to hear and really to uh, graphs. I, I really lost touch with him after high school. I heard that he had just kind of uh, gone headlong into the world and was trying to experiment and experience all the things that the world had uh, for him. But it was really sad to watch someone who at one time was so faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ to only uh, slip away. And, uh, and not go to church anymore. And that's just all too common, right? I mean, everyone probably in this room knows someone who once was faithful, right? Someone who once served Jesus, but then decided for whatever reason, I'm no longer going to serve Jesus. I mean, that's just too common in our world today. But why does that happen, right? Why does that happen? It's a kind of a hard question, I think, to reconcile, but it's often made me question, man, was their faith real, did they have a real, authentic relationship with Jesus Christ uh, in, in the beginning? I, I don't know. You've probably wondered the same thing. But have you wondered this? Have you wondered if it could be you? Right? Have you ever considered, could that be me? Could I be that person who has fallen away from Jesus Christ? Uh, have you ever considered that you could be that story, you could be that individual? You know, I've often thought, uh, as a pastor, what, where would I be if I wasn't a pastor? Uh, where would my life be if I wasn't obedient to the call of Jesus in my life to, uh, to preach God's Word? Where would I be? Uh, w- w- would I be in church? Would I be serving Jesus faithfully? W- what would happen if I, I just gave up and, and, and I quit? Have you ever wondered that for yourself, where we don't typically want to admit Uh, to those kinds of thoughts that cross our minds at times. We want to be seen as strong. We want to be seen as faithful. We want to be seen as unwavering. But if we're honest, the difficulties in life, the hardships, and let's just be honest, everyone's facing hardships uh, in our world today. Everyone's facing hardships on some level uh, during this time in in America even. Uh, The hardships, the trials, uh, even uh, some level of persecution in our lives as Christians— begins to kind of exacerbate those emotions, doesn't it? What if I just gave up? What if I just quit? What would happen in my life? You know, it would seem that the harder difficulties become in serving Jesus Christ, that the greater the fallout would be, wouldn't it? Uh, that you, as you look around, you would think the harder it is to be a Christian, the greater follow. And I would say that's probably true on some level, and I would, I would think and, and, and surmise that this pandemic has probably pressed that on, a, on some levels in people's lives, that, that they would say, man, it's just too hard to go to church, it's just too hard to be a Christian, and they've said, man, I'm going to quit. I, I think this pandemic will have somewhat of a sifting effect, if you will, upon the church. People will leave, right? That's the reality. People will fall away from Christ for for whatever reason. Uh, But but this pandemic has really pressed that, I think. Uh, And everyone, I think, can relate to that uh, on some level. Uh, But but hardships, even persecution, when you think about hardships and trials and persecution uh, for being a Christian, hardships historically have actually had the opposite effect upon the real church. That if you look at Christianity as a whole, you see lots of persecution, you see lots of trials, you see lots of hardships, but they actually have, historically speaking, the opposite effect. Rather than people retreating from Jesus, they actually begin to lean in. Uh, You see, the church for centuries has faced persecution relentlessly throughout the world, and instead of caving, instead of giving in and quitting, it has actually thrived. I don't know if you're aware of this, but today in communist China. Uh, Communist China today, there's an estimated 116 million Protestant Christians in Communist China today. You compare that with 90 million Communist Party members, and that's kind of astounding that there's more Christians than there are communists in Communist China. That was from a Time magazine in January of of this year. Uh, But they went on to say this. They said, despite that, underground churches there are spreading like wildfire. Isn't that amazing? that you can have this, this nation, this, this, this uh, a country that is completely communist, that has all these ideals about religion and suppressing religion and suppressing Christianity, and yet there's more Christians in that nation than there are communist party, party members, and the church is spreading like wildfires. Isn't that amazing? The article went on to say this, it's almost certain That by 2030, there will be more Christians in China than in any other country in the world. It's both astounding and absolutely fascinating to me. How could this happen? How could the church thrive in such a a situation, such conditions? How could the church move forward under such great persecution? Well, it's really nothing new And it's nothing out of the ordinary. Hardships uh, are are real and common to Christians. And hardships do this. And hardships in your life, whether they're just hardships because of just you know life is hard at times, right? Hardships reveal true character, do they not? Uh, Hardships reveal kind of our true identity. When you're pressed, when you're crushed through circumstances in life, when when you're shaken a little bit, something is going to come out of us. That's just the reality, right? Our True identity is often pressed under those, uh, and found to be true under those circumstances. Uh, And and if you're a Christian here this morning, guess what? You're going to face difficulties, right? Let's be honest. We're going to face trials. We're going to face challenges for for being a Christian. Let me give you just a few examples before we jump into our text this morning. Paul says this in 2 Timothy chapter number 3 and verse 12. He says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, notice this, will be persecuted. Man, you want to be a Christian, like buckle up and and, and hold on, right? It's going to be a wild ride because Paul and others would say, man, you're going to be persecuted. There are going to be trials. There are going to be difficulties in life like you can guarantee it. In fact, Jesus would say this in Matthew chapter number five in his Sermon on the Mount. He said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely. On my account, rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted prophets who were before you. Jesus says, you can count on it. You're gonna be persecuted. You're gonna have trials. And guess what? When you do You ought to rejoice because you're going to be blessed for it. Peter would go on to say something similar in 1 Peter uh, chapter number 4 and verses 12 through 13. We'll skip that verse this morning. You can write it down and read it for yourself. But suffering and Christianity go hand in hand, don't they? Like we can guarantee that at some point we're going to face trials. We're going to, to face some sort of persecution on some level. And Let me just say to you this morning, we at some point should expect persecution even in America. Like, mark my words, it will happen at some point. We should expect it. You can count on it. And if that's true, if that's true this morning, the question that you and I as Christians today should be asking ourselves uh, today, and really the letter uh, to, to the church at Smyrna here in Revelation chapter number two is going to press this question and this issue in our lives. The question is simply this, will we be faithful Regardless of what we face, will you be faithful? Regardless of the trials, the possibility of even persecution in life for being a Christian and gathering in a church, will we be faithful or will we give in? Will we give up? Will we be faithful? When the pressures increase, and let me tell you, the pressures will increase uh, as we move further and further uh, closer to the day that Jesus returns. Well, the church in the city of Smyrna knew all about this. There was a church in a city called Smyrna, and they knew all about trials. They knew all about persecution. In fact, their church is known as the suffering church, the persecuted church. But in reality, they should be called the faithful church. Because they're a church that Jesus Christ himself looked down upon and said, you're faithful. You're faithful regardless of the pressures that you are facing. And we're going to talk about those pressures this morning and the odds that they were facing. But despite those odds, despite, despite all of the pressures from all these different fronts, this church, these Christians, Jesus himself looks and says, you guys are a faithful bunch of people. And I don't know about you, but I want, I want my life, I want our church to be known as that as well. That if Jesus were to look down on us and he would look down on your life and my life, that he would say, man, you're a group of faithful people, regardless of what you are facing in life. And so Smyrna was a faithful church, and we should be as well today. And so we're going to learn some things this morning about their faithfulness, about the trials that they were facing, the pressures that they were facing. We're going to be challenged to look at our own faithfulness today. And and my hope really is, is that you look in the mirror and you ask yourself that question, am I being faithful truly, honestly, to the Lord Jesus? No matter what I'm facing in life, no matter what our world is facing, are we faithful? Would Jesus commend us for our faithfulness. Well, hey, if you're new to LifePoint today, we're in a sermon series called Seven, and we're looking at uh, the seven letters to the seven churches uh, in Asia Minor in the Book of Revelation. What does Jesus have to say to these churches, and what does He have to say to us today? Because I want you to know, I want to remind you this morning that this is just as much for us as it was for them. The book of Revelation isn't just something about the future; it's something for today. It's a book of hope and encouragement and there are so many things that we can glean uh, from it. And so, in in a way, these churches really represent all churches. Uh, These seven churches are real churches, and they serve as really timeless examples, if you will, for us today. Uh, Their situations, their issues that they face are really issues that you find in the modern church in America today and all over the world. Their struggles are common struggles, regardless of political climate, economical climate, governing uh, makeup. It doesn't matter. They touch us in some way, shape, or form, and I believe today uh, that this message, church, uh, to the church at Smyrna is a message that we need to hear, that we need to be reminded as well of this morning. It's a message of encouragement. It's a message of faithfulness despite great trials. So let's read it together, Revelation chapter 2 and verses 8 through 11, and then we'll kind of break it down this morning uh, this is Jesus speaking to John the Apostle. He's getting this vision uh, of Jesus. and he sees Jesus in chapter number one, and gives this great description. and Jesus speaks to him and says, "I want you to write these things down, and I want you to send them to these seven real churches in Asia Minor." And he says, "To the angel of the church in Smyrna. Last week we looked at the church at Ephesus. The church that, man, they were faithful in good works, they were doing all the right things, believing all the right things, but Jesus says, hey, that's all great, that's all good, but I have this against you. You have left your first love. Your heart's grown cold. If your heart's grown cold to me, man, it doesn't matter what you do. You can check off your list of Christianity, all the do's and all the don'ts in life, but Jesus says, if your heart is cold towards me, it doesn't matter go back to your first love. And so that was the letter to the church at Ephesus, but to the church in Smyrna. Jesus says, the words of the first and the last, given a description of himself. This is who he is. The words of the first and the last who died and came to life. I know your tribulation, and I know your poverty, but you are rich, and I know the slander, of those who say that they are Jews. And guess what? They're not, but they're a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear, verse 10, what you are about to suffer, but behold, he says, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and for 10 days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, Jesus says, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Let me tell you a little bit About Smyrna, first of all, the city of Smyrna, the culture of Smyrna. Context is so important, church. As you read the scriptures, you can't just cherry pick verses and read them out of their context. We got to understand their context. We got to understand uh, what the background and what's going on. It places us within the shoes of those original recipients and it gives us not only a better appreciation but it gives us clarity. And so let's talk about Smyrna. Smyrna was a city just roughly thirty to uh, 35 to 40 miles north of Ephesus. And like Ephesus, like we talked about last Sunday, it was a self-governing city. Remember, during this time, you get the Roman government. Their empire uh, is a vast empire. But this city, like Ephesus, Roma just said, hey, you guys can govern yourselves. And the reason that Rome allowed Smyrna to govern themselves is because they were so loyal to Rome and they were so loyal to the emperor. And we'll talk about that loyalty here in just a moment. But it had one of the safest harbors. In fact, it was a huge Excuse me, huge harbor uh, in, in Turkey. Uh, about 35 miles it went back in. One of the safest harbors in ancient times. And so uh, Smyrna was a very uh, thriving city. Uh, their economy was great, and still today uh, the, the city stands. It's known as Izmir, Turkey. It has a population of about 4.3 million people. But what's interesting about uh, the city's ancient name, Smyrna, is it means Myrrh. Raise your hand if you've heard of the word myrrh before, right? Myrrh. Everybody knows probably what myrrh is. uh, You may already know it was one of the gifts that was brought to Jesus by the wise men. It's from a myrrh tree. It was a resin that they would scrape off, and, and they would crush it, and they would press it, and they would make it into this ointment that was used predominantly uh, to perfume bodies before burial. And of course, it was used on Jesus's body uh, as, as he uh, was was buried and put into the grave. Uh, but myrrh is often symbolic of death. And so when you think of myrrh, you often think of of death because that's how it was used. Uh, but as I kind of looked at this, there was really nothing that I could find that, that stated Smyrna has like, you know, like myrrh tree groves. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know. I didn't read anything like that, so I'm not sure where uh, that really originated, but you can make a lot of applications, of course. City of Smyrna, myrrh, crushing, being pressed to the church that was there. Because it was a crushed church. It was a pressed church. It was a persecuted church. But in the midst of it, it was a faithful church. But here's, here's what we're going to focus in on today. If you don't get anything else, get this this morning. Uh, this is really the main thought, the bottom line for today. And that is this, is that your greatest success is faithfulness to Jesus. That at the end of the day, as you look at your life and you think about all the accomplishments and all the things you've done and the toys in the garage and the career and the titles and and, and everything that you could aspire to in this world, I believe that your greatest success in life is being faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ no matter what. Your greatest accomplishments in life, the one thing that we should be constantly pursuing as followers of Christ is faithfulness. How do I... Be and stay and increase my faithfulness to the Lord Jesus Christ. Faithfulness to Jesus. We're going to talk about today, but here's what, what I mean by that. Here's why it's so important for us to consider our own faithfulness today. If Jesus were to write you a letter, you think about these letters to these churches, right? And we kind of view them from somewhat of an academic approach, but this is Jesus saying, Hey, I care about my church. I'm involved in my church. I see my church. I know my church. If Jesus knows his church, guess what? He knows you too, right? He knows your life. He sees you and he cares about you. If Jesus were to write you a letter, have you ever thought about what he would say? How he would describe you? How would he describe your faith, your level of faith, your belief in him? Would it be that you're faithful? Would it be that we today, as a modern church in America, are faithful to Jesus? See, the testimony of these Christians in Smyrna, the view that Jesus had of them when he looked down at the church at Ephesus, he said, hey, you got a lot of good things going, you believe a lot of good things, you got your doctrine right, and you're you know, doing all this wonderful stuff, but, but your love has grown cold, and that is my assessment of you, that you need to go back to your first love. But he looks at the church at Smyrna, and he says, I know the tribulation. I know the challenges that you're facing, and you are faithful. This church, guys, they weren't perfect But they they were faithful despite their trying circumstances. And that became, listen, their greatest success story. And I believe this morning it should be your greatest success story as well. Faithfulness to the Lord Jesus Christ. Does he see that in us today? What do you see that in our church? Faithfulness, right? Faithfulness to His Word. Faithfulness uh, to, to love Him and love other people. That we would say, we're going to be faithful to love our community and love our God uh, extravagantly. That we be faithful to God in every situation in life. To be faithful with our generosity and be a faithful witness. Are we known by these things? Guess what? The church at Smyrna was their greatest success story was being faithful regardless of their circumstances. And I want you to know this morning that your faithfulness impacts everything in life. It'll impact your life positively or negatively. Your level of faithfulness to Jesus will either have a positive effect on your marriage, on your family, on your finances, on your relationships with other people. It'll either positively affect those things or it will negatively affect those things. Your faithfulness matters today and it ought to be your greatest success and so Smyrna faced some hardships and I want to I want to talk about those hardships today and I I think for most of us we've all had a bad day raise your hand if you ever had a bad day Right? Like, everybody ought to raise their hand. Everybody's had a bad day. Have you ever talked to somebody before and you thought, man, my, I, I'm having a bad day, and then you talk to somebody and they share their bad day, and you're like, my bad day ain't as bad as your bad day, right? Has that ever happened to you before? And it kind of puts your bad day into perspective, right? You kind of look at their life and you think, oh, wow, like, I'm not going through that. I, I should probably, you know, think a little more positively about my bad day. Well, I, I think Smyrna does that for us. I think Smyrna in in the church that's there and their circumstances we're going to look at and the hardships and the persecution, the trials, the pressing, the crushing that they face kind of puts into perspective our lives and our churches and our faith. And so Jesus writes this letter. And he, and he sends it by the hand of John, the apostle, and he says this to the angel of the church in Smyrna, right? The words, of the first and the last, who died and who came to life. Let me just remind you of a few things here this morning. The angel to the church in Smyrna. The word is angelos, and it means messenger. It is not an angelic being. It's not an actual angel that's leading the church. There's no precedence uh, in that whatsoever for an angel leading a church. And so this is a messenger. This is the pastor, the leader, of that church in Smyrna. He says, I want you to send this letter to them, and I want it to be read. But I want you to notice this description again here of Jesus, because we see this all throughout the seven letters. Jesus, uh, John sees this amazing, glorified Christ, and he describes him. And then Jesus uses this description specifically to every single church, because they needed to hear something. If you were with us earlier, you remember we need to see Jesus correctly, right? Right? Seeing Christ correctly changes our view of everything, and this church needed to see Jesus correctly, and so Jesus describes himself this way, I'm the one who is the first and the last who died and came to life. And if that was true, these crushed pressed Christians, they didn't have to fear Jesus said, I want you to see who I am. I want you to know who I am. I'm the first and I'm the last. I'm the beginning, I'm the end. I died. I came back to life. Like it doesn't matter what happens on this earth. Guess what? If you know me, you can be secure. And that must have been a great comfort to these Christians in Smyrna who are being crushed and pressed over and over and over again. But notice what he says here to this church. And understand there's no condemnation. This is fascinating. Uh, there's no rebuke, there's no condemnation whatsoever from Jesus. To five churches, Jesus is like, hey, some good things, but I have this against you. And you hear that phrase over and over, I have this against you, and I can't imagine what that must have been like to be a Christian during those days and to have Jesus, our Savior, say, hey, there's some cool stuff in your life, but I have some things against you. Oh, man, how convicting that must have been. But to this church, there's no rebuke. In fact, to the church at Smyrna and the church at Philadelphia, there's no rebuke whatsoever, but the rest do receive some sort of rebuke from Jesus. And Jesus says this to this church, and I want you to notice it with me. He says, I know your tribulation. If you were with us last week, you know that the word know means full and complete knowledge, that Jesus says, I have full understanding, I see, I know, there's nothing that's hidden from me. I know your tribulation, church, and I want you to know this morning, God knows your tribulation. God knows your struggles, your trials. Students here this morning, when you go to school, and the trials that you face in the classroom, and with other students, and, and the faith that you have, and the faith that others despise in you, guess what God knows, right? He knows, and he sees your tribulation. He understands, and he says to this church, I know what you're going through, and, and what's interesting about the word tribulation, it actually means in the Greek to be crushed or pressed. And you go back to that idea of murder? why is Why is uh, the the city called Smyrna? Why is this church there and and, and they're being pressed? There's all kinds of wonderful correlations here. But Jesus says, I know the, the crushing. I know the persecution. I know the pressing that you're facing. This is a pressed and crushed church. And yet, despite that, man, they're a faithful church. They're a faithful church. And I hope and I pray that we were faithful in our time, in our age, pandemic or not, Challenges it or not, we are faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ no matter what. And so let's look at their tribulation. I want you to see this. I want you to think about the things that they were facing uh, a, a, as a church, and really it came from three fronts. We don't have time to like, flesh out all the details and, and go into great uh, uh, detail about all the things that they were facing, but, but they, they were pressed in three areas. Their faithfulness was tested in three great areas, and the first was this, is that they were faithful in the midst of government pressure. That this was a church that was facing pressure from political figures, from government. This isn't expressly written in the text here. Jesus says, I I know what you're going through. He doesn't describe that. He doesn't say, hey, I know this is what you're facing specifically, but he knows the depth of our trials, he says. And we have to dig just a little bit deeper to see exactly what that was. But it's important because it gives us perspective, right? And what's going on in Smyrna is this, is emperor worship, emperor worship. Uh, During uh, ancient times, as the Roman Empire began to progress and progress, they began to uphold uh, the Caesar, the leader of, of their empire, and they began to worship them. And this began to be such an issue and a problem in places like Smyrna. One historian said this, "'We know from history.'" that Smyrna was a city deeply committed to idolatry, into the worship of the Roman emperor. Uh, On one famous street in Smyrna called the Golden Street stood these magnificent temples. There was a temple to Apollo and to Zeus and to all these other quote-unquote gods, but that worship toward those gods actually began to wane as they progressed through history. The real focus began to be on worship of the Roman emperor. It was a huge problem. Uh, In fact, Barclay went on to say this, and it'll be on the screen for you to see. He said, emperor worship had begun as a a spontaneous demonstration of gratitude to Rome. Like, hey, we want to show our gratitude. And and so they began to kind of uplift the Caesar as a god. But toward the end, he said, of the first century, in the days of Domitian, and Domitian is the current emperor of Rome at the time, and it's when Christians faced the second wave of persecution. Uh, He said this, Barclay said the final step was taken, and Caesar worship became compulsory meaning it was a mandate, okay? We all know about mandates, right, in our uh, our day and age. But what happened was this. Once a year, he said the Roman citizen must be uh, must burn a pinch of incense on the altar to the godhead of, of Caesar. And having done so, he was given a certificate to guarantee that he performed his religious duty. And so you can kind of see this, like, you know, lines forming and everyone having their incense and saying, I'm gonna burn this and I'm gonna say these magical words. And there was some Roman official who had, you who uh, know, you know, mark it down and give you a piece of paper. He said, oh, you did this. You're good to go. In fact, Barclay went on to say this, all that Christians had to do was burn that pinch of incense and say, Caesar is Lord, receive their certificate, and go about their way. What's the big deal? What's the big deal? And you know what Christians did in that city? They said, we will not, we will not give Lord to anyone but God. This is where we draw the line. And I would say today, this is where Christians have such a hard time dividing between mandates in, in God's mandates, government orders in God's orders, right? Like, what, what, where's the line? It's very difficult for people to distinguish between the two. We have a responsibility, Romans 13, to obey government, but we also have a responsibility to obey God as well. And I think, I think these Christians, I think they honored him as emperor. Like they knew what Paul said in Romans 13. They understood that we have a responsibility to obey and to be good model citizens. But we will not recognize you as God. So what is the fallout of that? Well, you can only imagine uh, the fallout was, was very difficult for many of those Christians. That if you read history and you read about Domitian and all the things that he did to Christians, uh, burning Christians, uh, uh, feeding them to lions, uh, murdering Christians, I mean, there was all kinds of persecution that is going on. This is the pressure that they were facing. This was a major source of persecution for the church at Smyrna. And I think it would be easy for us to look at that and think, oh, I, I, I wouldn't give in. Like, if that were me and I were living in those days, or if that happened here in America, I wouldn't give in. I wouldn't do that sort of thing. I would stand for Jesus. But I I gotta be honest, I, I don't know. I wonder. Like, I wonder, would we be faithful? to Jesus under those kinds of circumstances. Listen, this is just my personal opinion, so you take it for what it's worth, but if the church's response to this pandemic today in, in the widespread mask mandate, whether you live here in Montana or anywhere else, if it's any indication, the church's response by and large about how we would respond to that kind of circumstance, I'm afraid we wouldn't fare so well. And listen, I mean no disrespect whatsoever, and my intention isn't to offend anyone today. I understand how passionate everyone is about this topic, but we've allowed, listen, a mask, a piece of cloth to keep us from church. Isn't that sad? We've allowed a piece of cloth to keep us from gathering and serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Man, church, I I, I, I don't know. I, I can't reconcile that biblically because I know one day I'm going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm going to be accountable to Him. And, and if there was a time in my life where I just said, you know what, uh, I'm, I'm not going to go because I've got to wear a mask, and God, you know, you must understand, because, you know, there was a mask mandate, and I didn't agree with it, and so I chose not to go. I, I, I don't know about you. I just don't, I don't see that standing before our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We've allowed Satan to divide us over a piece of cloth. And these people, these people love Jesus so much. They say, it doesn't matter the pressure we face. It doesn't matter the threats we face. We are willing to do whatever it takes to be faithful to Jesus. What about us? Are we willing to do whatever it takes to be faithful to Jesus No matter what. Well, the church at Smyrna, listen, they did that. They were faithful under great government pressure. They were faithful to Jesus no matter what. Here's the second thing this morning. They were faithful not only in the midst of government pressure, but they were faithful in the midst of pagan worship. Uh, Man, if you went to Smyrna, you would see pagan idolatry at its best. I mean, there were all kinds of temples, those names that I mentioned, Apollo, Zeus, Aphrodite, Sebel, these were pagan gods, gods created in the minds of men, and they each had these magnificent temples in Smyrna. There was this golden street. On one end was a temple. On the other end was a temple. I mean, if you grew up there, you would would have all of these things in your life constantly, in your family reunions, in your festivals, and gatherings. Everything was surrounded around pagan worship of these gods. There's all these temples, all these buildings there commemorating these quote-unquote gods, but listen, there were no temples, uh, minus maybe the Jewish temple that was present there in that city, but no Christian churches, no temples, no places of worship uh, uh, in a building for Jesus. Christians, listen, were the minority, and if that's true, you can imagine growing up in that kind of culture and, 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 and having all of those things present in your life and then, and then coming face to face with the gospel and placing your faith in the person of Jesus, not some other uh, fake God, but in Jesus, the one true God. Can you imagine the consequences of making that decision in a place like Smyrna? Uh, do you think that was a difficult choice? Do you think that that choice had some impact upon their lives and upon their families. Uh, we, we don't know, but I bet it did. I bet it did, and it, it still happens today, does it not? People all over the world today, we're so isolated as Americans, Christian Americans. We got it good, we got it safe, and you know, everything is good. But in the rest of the world, they're persecuted. In the rest of the world, people who come to faith in Jesus are ostracized from their family, disowned from their family. Some of them are even murdered for their faith from their own family. These are the things that are happening in the world today, and I would imagine there's some of the things that were happening in the church at Smyrna, and yet they were faithful. Would you be faithful? Would you be faithful in that context? Would I be faithful? Here's the last thing we'll talk about this morning. Not only were they faithful in the midst of that government pressure, were they faithful in the midst of pagan worship, but they were also faithful despite slander from the Jews, Uh, As you read kind of the history and you find what's happening in in a lot of these cities, more times than not, it was the Jewish nation, these Jewish groups of people who were actually the ones who were at the forefront of all the the hatred towards Jesus and towards the church. And Jesus says, I know this. He says in verse 9, again, I know your tribulation and I know your poverty, which likely was a result of their faithfulness. He says, I know, and I know the slander of those who say that they're Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan, meaning these are people who are doing Satan's work. These are people who are worshiping him in his ways. And I want you to know, church, this was real persecution. Are you familiar with the name Polycarp? Does anybody, does that ring a bell with anybody? A few people, Polycarp. Polycarp was actually a pastor of Smyrna. Uh, Later on, down the road, I think he was martyred in 155 A.D., but Polycarp, uh, in his story, is a fascinating story. I'll leave it to you to kind of study it for uh, yourself, but Polycarp was was a person who dealt with the slander of these Jews constantly, and and in fact, uh, history tells us that the Jews were the ones that that brought him into uh, this, this arena, this area, and they were some of the first ones to bring all the wood to burn Polycarp at the stake in fact polycarp said don't nail me to a stake because if god has brought me here god will keep me here and he actually stood in the fire on his own on his own will which is an amazing story but you can read it for yourself but people like this they were persecuted for their faith were they fearful at times i'm sure of course they were did their faithfulness impact their poverty i think it did I think history shows that their faithfulness, maybe, maybe uh, government officials or whoever it was probably came and took their jobs away, took their possessions. I mean, Jesus says, I know your poverty. And that word in the original language means that they had nothing, no resources. They were destitute. If that happened here in America to you and everything was taken away, your house, your job, your possessions, because of your faith in Jesus, what would you do? What would I do? Man, I got to be honest, I don't know. Those are some sobering questions and realities for us. The amazing thing is that this church said we'll be faithful. No matter what happens, no matter what kind of pressure, no matter what kind of persecution we face, we will be faithful. This isn't just someone saying, hey, this church was faithful. This is Jesus looking at this group of people and saying, you are faithful. And I want to encourage you to be faithful unto death. And if you do, I'll give you the crown of life. The crown of life simply means eternal life that we would receive this, this award. See, we, we think the blessings of being a Christian, especially in America today, are all these blessings, material that we have, all these things, all these, you know, uh, things that we, we have in America. We think, oh, we're blessed because we have these things. These people were blessed. Jesus says, you're poor, but you're rich. Because what you have is me. And what you have, no one can take away from you. Nobody. Nothing. As Paul said, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing. And Jesus says, you're rich in the midst of your poverty. Do you have that same perspective today? Are you faithful? Would you be faithful? Would we be faithful today? I hope so. And I pray. Would you stand just for a moment, invitation, a moment that we, 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 we would say, man, we're not, we're not gonna, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to come forward or anything like that this morning. But I am going to ask you that you would say, God... Look into my life. Look into my heart. Look into to, to my faithfulness. God, would you do that? God says, Yeah, I know. God knows already. But we need to invite him in to peer into our lives. Don't you think? And we need to take a hard look in the mirror. As Christian, Christians in in modern America, 2020, going through racial turmoil, political turmoil. A health crisis would, will we be faithful regardless of what we face uh, guys if we don't stand now guess what we won't stand when it's worse if we're not faithful now what's going to happen when the pressures rise man my hope for you and I is that we would be a people of God who stand fast and stand faithful to our Lord Jesus Christ that we would, we would love Jesus extravagantly that we would love this community and love our world extravagantly, that we'd be faithful to those things that God has called us to do, that we would be faithful to generously share our resources, not only with one another, but with a community that, that needs to see the real raw love of Jesus Christ through us, through you. It starts with faithfulness. Will we be faithful? God, may it be so with us today. God, forgive us. We repent of those moments that we are not faithful. God, we repent of those things that we've allowed to get in the way of our faithfulness to you. God, we've all been there and we all will be there again, I'm sure. You're so good. You're so gracious. You're so long-suffering. God, may we prepare ourselves in the moments of prosperity, in the moments of health, in the moments that things just seem to be good. God, may we not sit back and be lax, but may we seek to increase our faithfulness. God, so when we're tried. God, when persecution hits, when trials hit, when hard times come, God, those wouldn't be the things. They won't knock us out of the game. They won't cause us to quit that we would stand firm. Oh God, we need that. Increase our faith. Increase our strength as the church today. May we be faithful to you. May you look on us and say, we are faithful. May we continue. God, we love you. We thank you. We thank you that we have life because of Jesus. We thank you that we can have a relationship with him we thank you that you walk with us, you know us, you care about us, you know every situation that we're facing, and and you know the situations we're going to face tomorrow morning. God, you already know, you've already prepared us for those things. May we rest in you and trust in you, and be faithful to you. No matter what we face this week, or the days ahead, may we stand. God, we love you, we thank you. In Christ's precious name we pray. Hey church, thanks so much for being here with us. Hope you have a great week. We'll continue on next Sunday uh, in, in our series. Looking forward to seeing you here. God bless.